Hey, this is Scotty Vermillion. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Daniel Boone podcast today. We would like to invite you to worship with us at Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Or you can join us on Facebook for live sermons and daily interactions that will keep you in touch with God and in step with His kingdom. This week I had, uh, I had all kinds of titles for the message, and I don't know why I'm, I'm fascinated with titles, but... Um, the title of today's message is going to be Evidence. I just want to talk to you about uh, some personal things, and, uh, and I know you have your own uh, things that, that you struggle with. I asked a question on um, Facebook this week, you know, what are some, what are some lies of the enemy that, that uh, we struggle to, to not believe, you know, um, and got some answers on that, got, got some guidance with that, and uh, the very first one I put down is the one that most people uh, say that they struggle with. But the first title I came up with was cancel that. You know, like when the enemy comes at you with a lie, you cancel it with the truth, you know. Um, but as I kept going through the week, I, I was like, you know, um, no matter what determination that we make about ourselves or about our situation or about other people, or about God. Whatever determination we choose to make is rooted in who we believe or who, or who we're trying to impress or who we're trying to please. And, and the enemy will help you find evidence to prove your determination if it's not the determination that God gave you. You see what I'm saying? And I wrote a bunch of stuff down, and I don't know how else to do this. I, I'm like challenged wanting to just give it to you off of the top of my heart and my, and my mind, but I don't trust myself, to, just to be honest with you, to remember it all. I wrote a bunch of it down. And so I would just ask that you join me today in prayer as we get started, and I'm quickly going to give it to you. And then if the Lord gives me something else, I'm going to throw it out there too. But I, would, I just want the Lord to deal with your thoughts and your determinations and your expectations for yourself and your life today. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. God, you have given me a revelation, and I pray that you would help me to give it to your people. Use my tongue in Jesus' name. Amen. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it talks about death being canceled out on the cross. And thinking about our sin as well. The enemy plants lies. Do you know that? He sets loose lies. He's constantly setting them loose. And how do I know that? Because the Bible says that he is a liar. He was a liar from the beginning. And he is the father of lies. So everything he says is a lie. Now what we have to do is condition our mind and train our mind by means of, means of use, by practice like we talked last week to be able to distinguish the truth from a lie. And so he's planting lies all the time. And at times, all we can see around us is his lies. He's trying to get us to believe his lies. And I think one of the reasons he's trying to get us to believe them is because we have something in front of us meaningful. Now, this is important for us to understand that. When we have something meaningful in front of us something that is influential in a community or a family or a church the enemy doesn't like that 
He wants to destroy you. The Bible says he, he, he came to kill, to steal, and to, to destroy. And so we need to keep that in mind. The Bible says that fruit comes from or by hearing the word of God, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So what we have to do to counter the lie is, is feed ourselves the word of God. And God's word is truth. His word is our prescription for everything that's wrong with us. I mean, I mean, think about what is actually wrong with us. We have so many internal illnesses that it's, you know, and I'm not talking about diseases. I'm talking about just spiritual things, carnal things, too, that, that are just that are wrong with us. But God's word cancels out, cancel that every lie of the enemy. But in order to have your prescription filled, you must hear the word of God. The devil does not want you to come to church. He does not want you to open your Bible. That's why it's so hard some days to open it and understand it. He puts things in your mind. Two or three times this week, raise your hand if, you, if you're like me. Two or three times you had great intentions of studying or praying. And it wasn't that I was looking for something to happen, but something happened. And two hours later, I'm like, I never did get on my knees. Does that happen to anybody else? Raise your hand if it does. Yes. I mean, you intend to do it. Great intentions. The enemy knows how to distract, and he doesn't always distract you with what's obvious. You know what I'm saying? He distracts you with good things sometimes. And so we have to fill that prescription with the Word of God. The Bible says in John 8, 32, that you will know the truth. That's why you feed yourself the Word, and the truth shall set you free. So today I want to expose the lies that you've been believing lately about yourself and about other people. Lies. They're just lies. I want to expose that today. The lies that have kept you in bondage and fear, preventing you from walking in faith. What does the Bible say is the only way to please God? By faith. By faith. It's our faith that pleases God. And so today I hope to help you walk into your, into your destiny and pleasing the Lord. This week I asked this question, what's some lies that the enemy uh, gives you? One was that I'm not... I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. Man, I, I started looking in the Bible, and I didn't have to look far. I first started thinking about Moses, and this is where we're going to go today, and how when God told Moses, now this wasn't a small endeavor that he gave Moses. He said, go to Egypt, where they had been in bondage for, I want to say, 400 years in slavery. He said, go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, that's a pretty big call, is it not? And so we could sit back and look at Moses and say, well, you know, God told him to do it. Why didn't he trust God? And, but we would have done the same thing. And we're going to talk about Moses a little bit today. But I first want to ask you this. When you think about you're not good enough, and that's all of us, I would say, at something, I want to ask you this question. Not good enough for who? Think about it. Not good enough for who? Who are you talking about? Not good enough for what? And, and for us to really understand you as a person specifically, we have to go and dig way back into your childhood. And, and honestly, there's some, some of us experienced stuff that as children, we had deficits. Some of us didn't have a father growing up. Some of us, if we had a father, had one that taught us the wrong stuff. Didn't mean to, they just did. You know, they were doing the best they can. Some of us didn't have a mother growing up. Maybe, their mo maybe your mother was gone because she had to work to put food on the table. Who knows? Some of us didn't have 
church growing up. We weren't fed the word of God. I've got a friend, I'm telling you, that it was, he was up in his 30s before he actually experienced church. And that's a different mindset. Those are some obstacles. And so for us to understand and answer this thing or to counteract this idea that, that I'm not good enough, we first need to ask ourselves, who are we trying to please? You know what I'm saying? Like who, who, because let's, let's be honest, if you had a deficit as a child, you grew up in need. And so in order to fill that need, you found that thing or that person or that whatever it is that you thought could feed you and fill you. And so you now spend the rest of your life trying to fill that and please that. And I'm just asking you, who is that? What is that? I got this uh, another one. Never. Anytime we say never, they will never change. Or they will never accept me. Or they are always. Anything that starts with they and has a never and always, you need to go back and step out of your reality and write that down and say, now what is this? Because am I trying to please they and them? Or am I trying to please the Lord? Am I trying to be who God's called me to be? What about this one? God won't forgive me. My past is way too bad and my past defines me. What about that one? I think, I think this about that. This insults God more than anything else. Because here's what he did. If we believe the word of God, and my spirit tells me it's true, he gave his son as a ransom so that my sins in the past can be canceled out. And so what I'm saying to God here is that Jesus wasn't good enough of a sacrifice. You didn't give enough for me to be forgiven. That insults God. It does. It would insult me if I gave my son. Because he paid the price to forgive you, to cancel out the sin through his son. How about this one? They will never change. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I wrote it down. You will never be filled or fulfilled if you are waiting for another person to fill you or fulfill you. Never. That, 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 there's no possible way that any human being that walks this earth, aside from Jesus Christ when he walked, can be good enough to fill the void that we have that only God can fill. Now, you need to remember that. When we start elevating people and putting our hope in people because we're, we're all filthy rags in, in, in our own, in our own uh, strength. It's the, it's the blood of Christ that washes us clean. So you'll never validate yourself through somebody else. Only Jesus Christ can do this. Here's the enemy's goal daily. Listen to me, and, and I, listen, I want to give you opportunities to write notes down. That's why I leave space, and, I, you know, I, I would love to fill this up because I'd like to give you what I'm thinking, but really, you need to come to your revelation of what God's speaking to you, and that's why there's space. That's why there's verses. Take this home and work with it. This is a supplement for you to, to really grow, but the enemy wants you to do this. Write it down in your mind if you don't have a pen. He wants you daily to get your eyes off of the Lord. That's what he wants you to do. That's his first goal, in my opinion. If, if he can keep you from looking at the truth, if he can get you looking at something else, whether it's an image, whether it's an idea, whether it is a thought that you have in your mind that you're not good enough, if he can get you pondering those things, 
then here's what he can do. He can keep you from walking in faith and obtaining the things that God has for you in the future or in front of you or right now or experiencing peace. The Bible says, I'm going to show it to you in a few minutes, that he who keeps his mind stayed on the Lord is in perfect peace. And so the enemy wants your eyes and your mind and your heart on him and not on God. And so I would say this, the enemy wants you to take your eyes off of God and put, put your eyes on them, whoever them is. Could be your spouse, could be your children, could be your enemy, could be your coworkers, could be your church. If he can get you so occupied with them, then you can forget who you're really trying to please, which is him. Which goes back to answer the question of why you feel like you're not good enough. It's because you're trying to fill that void with somebody or something instead of him. And so the enemy wants you to get your eyes off of him and on something else. Okay, on something else. He might want to help you to get, he might want you to get your eyes on it, whatever it is. Maybe the deficiency that you have in your mind. <laughs> the movie that's playing in your mind. The imaginary thing. Images, imaginary, that never come true. He might want you to get your mind on images, imaginary. Those things that are not even true. The, peop the children of Israel got their minds on a golden calf at one time. They worshipped a golden calf instead of the true God. And the enemy was pleased in that. They weren't worshiping the devil. The enemy doesn't necessarily want you to worship him. He just don't want you to worship God. You hear what I'm saying? If you'll worship self, he's good. If you'll worship money, he's good. There's only one thing that can fill it. And I'm going to give that one thing to you in a few minutes. But this week, spiritual warfare to me, God, God kind of showed me some things. And I believe this is true about spiritual warfare. I believe that anybody that has a work of the Lord to do in their life will experience spiritual warfare of some sort. Now, how can I tell you if you're one of those that's going to experience this? It's very simple. One, if you're his, Jesus Christ, if you're saved. And two, if you're still alive. Okay, that's it. Because if you're still here, he hasn't taken you home and you have a work to do. The Bible said to our children today, that God prepared a work for you to do. And some of us think that work is like CEO, head coach, uh, pastor of a church, whatever it is that you might elevate and think that, mm -mm, no, no, no. God's got to work for you, whether it's mother or grandmother, a friend, a whatever it is, he's got to work for you. And the devil wants you to take your eyes off of the Lord, get your eyes on something else so you don't fulfill that work. But here's the deal with spiritual warfare. When, when you experience spiritual warfare, the enemy is really going to throw some things at you. Okay. God's truth is available to you and he will throw things at you too. And hopefully you've got some accountability people to help you. But here's the deal about that. You choose who you believe when it comes to the lies or the truth. And so when things are coming at you, you have to choose who to believe God or the enemy. Because you'll find evidence to support either one of those. The enemy will actually help you. You'll find evidence for what you're looking for. Evidence of how you're not good enough. Evidence for whatever determination you've made about you, you'll find it. The devil will even help you. 
And so my question to you before we really get deep into it is, when you say you're not good enough, good enough for who? And that's for me, and now it's for you. Good enough for who? Who gave you the eyes that you have? Who gave you the lips that you have? Who gave you the ears you have? Who gave you the hands to work and the feet to move and, and the mind that can think? And, and maybe you have a deficit in those areas. God gave you something else. We're going to see that in the life of David today. But when you say you're not good enough, I would ask for who, and then I would also ask for what. We're going to discover that as well because Moses said, and we're going to see it in a few minutes, I'm not good enough for the thing you've called me to. And that stops many of us. We fear what's ahead of us in our job or our parenting or, or whatever. And so we, we get our eyes off the Lord and we fear the what, the where. My question to you is where has God positioned you now? Don't be looking for where God is positioning you. Look at where God has positioned you. Where has God positioned you now? I run into so many people, and I can be guilty of it too, who are always looking for the next thing, the next thing. Promotion, upgrade, bigger. It's a dangerous focus. I'm not saying it's not important or good. God may call you to do that, and he may put that in front of you. He may give you that character to where you're just progressive. That's cool. That's good. You have to answer that yourself, though. Be very careful. Evidence is all around us. Go to Moses. Or go to Exodus. We're going to talk about Moses chapter 4. I've got a slideshow, but I may get off track. You get to choose who. I love this part of it. Who you believe determines what you believe. Because if the enemy, if you believe the enemy, and he tells you you're not good enough, it doesn't go back to what? He's actually saying to you, you're not good enough. It's actually who it's coming from. I'm very careful at who I take advice from. Are you? You better be. You better be very selective on who you take advice from. Because what you believe about yourself, about other people, and what you believe about God will, will be rooted in who you believe. It's a question of who, not what. Okay, It's a question of who, not what. And so the title of today's message is Evidence. You will find what you look for. You will find what you look for. You will find what you look for, what you're looking for. Exodus 4, verse 1. This is when God called Moses close to the burning bush, told him to take his sandals off because you're standing on holy ground, and he speaks to him, and he says, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Y'all remember the story? Well, listen to what is said in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, then Moses answered and said this, but suppose they, I'm going to stop right there. When I'm reading that verse and I see what Moses is saying, now hindsight's 2020, I can see it now. But his, the, the start of his response to God's instruction already tells me his eyes are not on the Lord. You hear what I'm saying? And the same thing happens to us. God calls us somewhere or tells us to do something, and we first look at the obstacle. Or we look at, what if they? Verse 1 says, Moses answered and said, but suppose they. Suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. I think in parenting, 
That's the number one thing, or maybe not the number one, but it's one of the top things that the enemy tells fathers and mothers, but specifically fathers because I'm a father and I'm a man and I get the whole male thing. I think he lies to us and tells us, you're not good enough to tell your child this because you don't really live this way and you didn't when you was little. You got a past. You see what I'm talking about? That's a lie from the enemy. I'm going to show you how to, how to, how to turn from it in a few minutes. But suppose they will not believe me. Oh, by the way, your children are listening. Your children are listening. I've been in education for years. And we think they don't hear what we're telling them because they're rolling their eyes and doing that stuff. Not all of them do that, but some of them do. But they're listening. They're listening. The Bible says to train a child up in the way he should go or she, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Okay? Remember that. But it says, suppose they won't believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. That's Moses' mindset. Go over to just a few verses later, verse 10. There's some interaction between the Lord and Moses here. We're going to go back and forth. But in some translations, Moses says in verse 10 to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I have never been eloquent in my speech. If, if you start thinking in your mind, I have never and God's showing you something here, or they will never. I used to carry this thing in my wallet that said, it's, it's, it's very difficult to lead further than you've gone yourself. And I believe that's true, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. You know, there, there had to be a Moses. There had to be somebody that goes over and leads and says, let my people go, and the Lord used him. There has to be somebody. Like Lewis and Clark expedition. There had to be somebody that went where they were not taught to go. Or they went where nobody else had ever gone before. There has to be somebody. There's always a first in whatever accomplishment that I'm talking about. If that makes sense. But Moses said, I have never. Is that the truth? Yes. But it's also a lie <laughs> because Moses had his eyes on himself. He said, I've never been eloquent in speech, neither, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Andy Barnes, he might tell you next week that one of the reasons he couldn't preach is because, and he's preached for many, many years, but one of the reasons he couldn't preach is because he could not public speak because he, he just went to a place that he couldn't speak. The Lord uses them kind of people, don't he? And so when you start hearing nevers and alwayses and theys and thems, you need to question where that message is coming from. It's not from God. Always. I can't tell you always. <laughs> Usually. I'll, I'll use that word. It's not from God. Go back to Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. This is important. Because when we tell God what we can't do, here's what he does. He'll say this to you. He'll say, what do you have? Go to verse 2. When Moses told God, I, I can't do this, suppose they don't believe me, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? And we know it was a staff. 
And God did some mighty major crazy things with that staff, turned it into a snake, and he and, and told Moses to reach down and pick it up and pick it back up. And he used that staff to do some miracles. But the thing about it is that draw, drew my attention to that verse is that God showed Moses what he already had. Like when we start saying, I'm not good enough, and we look in the mirror and we say, I've got big ears. Okay, here, block it. That's a lie from the enemy. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to say, well, culture doesn't like big ears. <laughs> you know, I know that's, that's kind of silly, but at the same time, you block it. You block it with a thank you. Here's what I mean by that. When I look in the mirror and I see something I don't like, okay, I block it with a thank you that I have the mental capacity to stand in front of a mirror and actually think of myself looking in the mirror. I'm, I'm not in a spot where I'm having to figure out where I'm going to get my next meal or how I'm going to breathe my next breath or God, you've made me so such and such. Well, thank God you got, you got feet to walk or that you've got eyes to see, or that you have a, uh, ears that can hear, or, or that you have this relationship or that relationship. Block the lie. Block it with a thank you. Block it with a thank you. Lord, thank you that I'm able to stand here this morning. Thank you. Thank you that I'm not on my way to St. Jude's. Thank you. Thank you that I'm not. Thank you. Block the lie with the truth. You will find what you are looking for. Evidence for both. I got big ears. Go to Google. <laughs> Do people like big ears? And you'll get a chart that says 75% of people say that the medium-sized ears are the best. <laughs> Small-sized ears, 30%. You only got about 12% of people who think that big ears are the best. And so you'll find evidence to say, ooh, I'm in the 10%. You'll find it, especially now with Google. <laughs> I mean, Google, you can find anything. You can find evidence for whatever you're looking for. You can find books. You can find websites. You can find people that will agree with you on any idea that you get that's outside of the will of God. And so verse 11 Here's what the Lord does to counteract what Moses did, what he said to him. So the Lord said to him, who made man's mouth? A better question than, God, I'm not good enough and all that stuff. A better question is who? You know, earlier I asked you who you're trying to please. Who are you talking about? Not good enough for who? Well, God answers it. Who made man's mouth? Is it not I, the Lord? I made you this way. And there's a certain process. Get this, write it down, listen to me. There's a certain process that every person, of every, every follower of Christ must go through in order to become who God's called them to be. It don't happen overnight. And God knows the process. God knows the process. Every athlete can tell you that. You can't do nothing and be great. You see what I'm saying? And between doing nothing and the dream of being great in whatever it is, there's a process. Time, energy, effort, my part. And so when, when your own mind tells you you're not good enough, block it with a thank you and go to this 
chapter 4, verse 11, where God says, who made your mouth? Because Moses says, my mouth ain't good enough. And God said, who made your mouth? That's how you counter the lie. Block it. Go over to 1 Samuel 17. I think that's where I'm at here. Yes. This is going to bless you. This is where most of us live. I'm going to do it real quick. So, so get, get your mind ready. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here's, let me paint the picture for you. In chapter 16, Samuel, the Lord spoke through Samuel. And because of Saul's disobedience, Saul was going to lose his anointing as king. He shouldn't have been king anyway. The people demanded a king, and God gave them what they wanted, and they thought that Saul was it because he was strong and big and all that stuff. But Samuel goes to the house of Jesse because the Lord sent him there and said, one of his sons you will anoint as the next king. And when he gets there, the first son that they bring to him is Eliab, the oldest, the best-looking one, strong and Samuel, the Lord told Samuel, that's not him. And so they brought all of Jesse's sons except for David. David was out in the field. And he's like, is this it? And they said, well, there's a younger son. He's out in the field. He said, well, bring him to me. Brought David to him. And the Lord told Samuel, this is the one. And so Eliab sat and watched that. Just remember that. The oldest son sat and watched what happened. And they anointed David. Samuel anointed David right there in front of his brothers as the next king. That's chapter 16. Chapter 17, David is tending the sheep. And I told you last week, if you remember the story, his father Jesse sent him out to check on his brothers who were at war with the Philistines and Saul. And so he goes back and forth checking on them. And here's what happens. He gets down there and he sees what's happening with the Philistine Goliath. And he says, what's going on? And, and who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And, and it leads me to chapter 1 and Samuel, uh, chapter 17. It leads me to verse 28. Because David said, what did, what did you say you'd do for the person that kills Goliath? Now remember, David had killed the bear and the lion when it threatened the sheep. But David goes in front of his brother here and says, Now Eliab, the oldest, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David, his younger brother. And he said this. Listen to what his oldest brother said to him about him. He said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? If you'll back up and look, he left those sheep with somebody. The, Bible's, the Bible says that. He didn't leave him alone. That's why God really liked him. He was responsible. And then he says, I know your pride and the insolence or your conceitedness of your heart. Eliab, his oldest brother, said, you have a conceited heart. Now, a lot of times people will speak stuff to us that we will believe, but it was actually the enemy using them to speak those things to us. And if we believe it just simply because we put credibility in our older brother, then we are, we're liable to miss the giant slaying and the king anointing and the future that God has for us. He says, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And this is where I want to take you to. And I want to read this to you. Be careful when other people tell you what they know about you or about your heart. See, people can pick out my past, and I've, I've said and done some really mean things. 
and so have all of you. And if I let somebody bring that back up and remind me and then I start believing that junk about myself, that I'm going to miss where God's trying to send me. Same thing for you. So be careful when other people tell you what they know about your heart. About that contradicts what God spoke over you. What did God say in 1 Samuel 13? This is prior to 1 Samuel 17. What did God say about David? He, he said to Samuel, I have sought out a man after my own heart. So that tells me David's heart wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was actually after God. But David was a man as well. And we know that by all the crazy stuff he did later on. But hear what David did, and this is important for us to, to understand, and here's where we're going to finish. What did David do to counteract this thing? Verse 30 says when he, I'm going to read 29 first. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause or can I not even speak? And verse 30 says, then he turned away. This is important for you. You need to learn how to do this. Young people need to learn how to do this. When you have, when God reveals a lie that is confronting you, now I'm not saying run from it. I think as a man, we ought to stand up to it and as, a, as women too. But I think at some level, we need to learn how to turn away and move on. If I'm moving in this direction, somebody gets in front of me and says, mm -mm, you're this, 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 and this, you're not qualified, uh, bang, 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 bang. I need to be able to, if this is them, I need to be able to say, thank you and move right on around them, and do what David did. It says in verse 30, Then he turned from him and went toward another, and he said the same thing to another person. If they won't accept you, won't invite you, won't consider you, move on. I think that's important. He turned away to someone else, chapter 17, verse 30. That's how you counter the lie. Block it with a thank you. Move on. And so my question and as I finish today, is what about you? What lies have you believed about yourself? The enemy wants to sell you all kinds of stuff that tells you I'm not a good mother, I'm not a, I'm not a good father, uh, I'm not a good son. Uh, I mean, and, and then you'll find evidence if you're looking for it. Block it with a thank you. Thank you that I get to be a son. Thank you that I get to be a father. Thank you that I get to be a husband. Thank you that right now, now I don't know what's going to happen in five years. I have no idea. But right now, this is who I am, where I am, where you've positioned me. And this is where I'm going to focus. And I'm actually going to focus on not here, but him. I've given you enough evidence today to tell you that it's not what, it's who. Who you believe will determine the peace in your heart. How do I know that? Second question is, what lies have you believed about other people? The enemy will try to separate homes. He'll try to separate churches. You all have seen it happen in this church. I've seen it happen in First Baptist Gate City. We've seen it over and over and over again. Church splits. Why? Because the enemy got in somewhere. Because somebody wanted green over black. I don't know. You know. Or, or maybe it's doctrinal. Sometimes we'll stand on doctrine and we should. But we need to be careful that it doesn't divide us. And then as God reveals to us what doctrine really says, because there's so much in here, I couldn't tell you what it says, you know, or what it means. But what you believe about others, 
And then thirdly, what lies have you believed about God? Because the enemy will sell you that too, that God's not good, that, that he don't have your best interests in mind. And if you go to the Old Testament, you'll find all kinds of stories if you take it out of context that will validate that. But we are a part of the new covenant. When I say, when I say to you or to God that I'm saved through grace or through faith by grace and works, what that is saying to God is, I think I climbed up on the cross with Jesus. I can't do enough to be saved. Or if I say I'm saved by grace and baptism. No, 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 no. It mean, that means I climbed up on the cross or on, with, with Christ. It's by grace only. There's none of us that can earn salvation or that can earn fruit. You know what I'm saying? God gives those things, and it's by faith. Look at the life of David. He, was not a, he wasn't what we would call a good man, but he was a man after God's own heart, and God blessed him, and he blesses us through that as well. And so the antidote to pondering on the lies found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. You set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. You set your hearts on things above where Christ is. And then you also set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I got, I got my mind off on earthly things the other day, and I was like, whoa, none of this matters. Honestly, and you just walk away from it. You just go around it and block it with a thank you. Thank you that I actually have the opportunity to make this decision that you've put in front of me. You hear what I'm saying? Gratitude. And you, if you go to Colossians chapter 3, you'll also find what it tells you to clothe yourselves in. And so I want to end with this. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So the next time that the enemy tells you or tries to fool you or convince you that you're not good enough or your ears are too big, Stay your mind on Christ, and you will find perfect peace in whatever that thing is that the enemy's trying to lie to you about. Once you block it enough times, he'll go to something else. Now, I don't want you to—I don't want to underestimate the enemy's. Uh, he has no power, but but he will pursue you, you know. And so, I don't want to underestimate that or, or make you think that he'll just leave you alone forever. He'll just move on to something else. And you have to be in the Word of God because the truth. It's what sets you free. And so bow your heads with me. Today my question for you really is, what is it and where is it that God wants you to expose the enemy in your own heart? Because wherever that thing is, whatever that thing is, that is holding you up from progressing and moving into the destiny that God has for you. And so where is it that God would say to you, Look at me in, in this and get your eyes off of the lie. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for these people. I pray specifically, specifically for anyone within the sound of my voice, whether it is online or in this building, that doesn't know you. And all this stuff we talk about is foreign. And they're, they're just coming to church and, and tuning in online, and they're just trying to be good enough to receive salvation. God, that, salvation is a gift. And this walk of clarity in the Spirit is also a gift of the Holy Spirit. And so I pray for those people that don't know you. I pray today would be the day. If there's anybody here that wants to be baptized, God, they have it on their heart that it is, it is something they feel a need to do or a desire to do to walk in the example that Christ set for us in baptism. I pray that 
today be the day they make that decision and just let me know. God opened that door for us to do that in August. Or next week or now, whenever you decide. But God, I also specifically pray and lift up these people here today. I'm almost certain that every person here has something that they need you to help them expose that they have believed about themselves or that they have believed about other people or that they have believed about you. That is not the truth. I pray you'd bring that to their attention. I pray you would expose, you'd help them expose it by speaking the word to it, help them to block it and move on. Lord, that's our prayer and our desire this morning. Again, I would like to echo the prayer request from Mr. Fletcher earlier. God, I pray you go before us. And you take care of these things, but use us. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. I hope you have a wonderful week. Does anyone have anything to share? You guys were a great audience today. Everybody was attentive today. I liked it. Amen. You guys have a wonderful week.